The country is still trying to move things forward on hostage release negotiations. Uh, talks on that have broken down, but it's been more than two months now, and right from the very beginning, there have been calls for the release of, well, it started out with about 250 Israeli hostages being taken by Hamas terrorists back on October 7th. Uh, dozens of them were free during the humanitarian pause, ceasefire, call it what you will, but many, many more remain captive to this day. Israel today released the names of 20 hostages that it believes are dead. Um, and there are still more than a hundred people being held captive by Hamas, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred to 120 is the estimate. Two months, more than two months after they were abducted from their homes in Israel. So, um, Canadians not immune to this. As you know, we've got countless stories where Canadians have been kidnapped and used as, um, you know, hostages in different situations around the world, sometimes political prisoners, call it what you will, but Canada has seen this happen to our citizens before as well. And does our country really have a strategy for this and for the inevitable? Because Canadians have been kidnapped in foreign lands and they will be going forward. There's no doubt of that. Uh, so do we have a plan? Not really. And that's something of an issue. We're going to chat with Sarah Teach now, a senior fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute, legal advisor to Secure Canada. She's an international human rights lawyer and author of Fighting Back Against Global Hostage Taking, a proposed new act to hold state and terrorist actors to account. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. You know, when we take a look, and some people might think, well, this isn't an issue for Canada, but it is, right? You don't have to look very hard to find examples of Canadians who've been kidnapped and, and held hostage overseas. There's a bunch. Yes, yes, there is. And it's a tactic that's gone back many years. I mean, the one of the you know more infamous cases was in, I believe, 2015, 2016, when um, two Canadians were kidnapped by uh, a terrorist organization in the Philippines and then beheaded the next year. So... Mm -hmm. This isn't this isn't a new problem either. Does it also encompass people like the two Michaels who weren't taken, weren't kidnapped and held hostage, but they were arrested uh, in what at the time we were told was trumped up charges based on political retaliation? Does this also is it one and the same, or are they slightly different? Uh, it's a good question, and and the answer is kind of complicated because we don't really have we don't have the clearest of definitions, yeah. and there's there's overlap in in some of these term terminologies that are used, so. And um, in the paper that I wrote for MLI, which has you know since been turned into a bill, right? That's been carried forward by Melissa Lanson. Um, there are sort of two definitions kicking around. There's hostage taking, um, and then there's arbitrary detention and state-to-state -state relations. And the two are very similar. Hostage taking essentially uh, Im involves an element of extortion, um, for lack of a better word, that isn't necessarily there in arbitrary detention, but it's sort of all the same idea, right? It's mm -hmm. Canadian taken. Uh, by either a foreign state, an authoritarian state usually, or a terrorist organization for some uh, nefarious purpose. And it's also called hostage diplomacy, right? So it's the terms are kind of funky, but it's all really the same phenomenon. And as you say, you wrote about this. Uh, the audience can find it at mcdonaldlaurier.ca. The article is there. Um, what what do we have now? What What is the strategy, or do we have a strategy? But let's say you know there is a situation like this, and like you say, you don't have to go that far back to find one. What's the government's response? What's the plan now? Great question. Um, there isn't really one. I mean, yeah. it's, it's obviously the government responds, but the way that it responds is not all that consistent. And this was covered in a 2016 multi-part expose by the Toronto Star which is also, I, you know, described in the larger paper at, at McDonald-Laurier Institute. And not much has changed since 2016. So essentially, it's 
the families are contacted by an RCMP officer that's assigned to the case. Um, whether they are appropriately communicated with or not really depends on, on the officer that they're assigned to. And that's basically it. And then the government works behind the scenes to try to secure their release. And we saw, of course, with the two Michaels that involved like a, a swap with uh, Meng Wanzhou. Uh, but there's no, there's no consistency. It's really a case by case situation. So this is something that the, that Melissa's bill is, is hopefully going to change. Yeah. What's in that bill? What's on the table now? Starts with sanctions, right? Yes, it starts with sanctions. And the key thing to talk about there is that we do have the Magnitsky Act and we have the Special Economic Measures Act. So we do have these acts in Canada that uh, could allow for the implementation of targeted sanctions. Whether or not it could apply to situations of hostage-taking or arbitrary detention is sort of unclear. It's certainly not made explicit in the bill. Um, So I'd say it's sort of, you know, equivocal at best. And what we saw, what we've seen over the years is that um, whether or not these acts could cover these sort of situations, they're not used in practice. And there was actually a great report that came out about this by Amal Clooney, who's a barrister in the UK, mm-hmm. married to George Clooney, of course. And um, she uh, sort of reviewed the targeted sanctions regimes in Canada, the US, the UK, the EU, and found that there's really a reticence across all of these jurisdictions to use sanctions in these types of situations. So a bill that specifies targeted sanctions can be used in these situations would provide a very clear power, a very clear direction to the Canadian government to global affairs that sanctions can and should be used in response to these sorts of situations. You mentioned how we handle the families, and you get a call from an RCMP officer assigned to the case. I mean, I've never been through it, but that seems lacking to me. Do we need to do a better job of, of handling the families and what they're going through in all of this? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's imagine how infuriating it is if you know, just by luck of the draw, you get an officer who doesn't really care. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, incidents, the families talk about how an officer will say to a family who has a loved one held hostage, hey, this isn't my day job. Like, I have a day job to get back to. And that's what's happening, right? Not in every case, but in a lot of cases. So that's another thing that the bill actually does is it mandates government support of families, including uh, the provision of mental health support if they want. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, and I don't know, if we've got an instance um, where it's a terrorist group, and I think that's what happened uh, with the two uh, Canadians who were killed back in 2015, 2016. Uh, how, do you, how do you apply sanctions? To, I mean, if it's not a government that's actually doing this, is there, is there a provision for that in, in the bill that's being proposed? Yes, there is. I mean, sanctions can be uh, imposed on any individual entity, including terrorist uh, group or foreign state that's involved in hostage taking. So it's not limited by, uh, you know, just looking at authoritarian states, which, states, which, which is important because, as you said, yes, it was. It was Abu Sayyaf in the Philippines yeah. and this Hamas, right? Hamas, as you said in the introduction, has taken Canadians hostage as well just very recently. Um, and, and the other question around all of this is how effective would these laws be? I mean, it might give our government a strategy, but in terms of what they can do when it happens, they're Canadian laws. So, I mean, how impactful can they be in, I don't know, China or Russia or Iran? Um, what's what's the um, the impact that they might have on situations like this? It's a great question. I, I think it really will depend on the particular case. Yeah. Um, but you see terrorist groups, even if they're, you know, all the way around the world, a lot of them have, um, you know, ways that they make money that are outside of their borders. So, for example, Hezbollah is heavily involved in drug trafficking in Latin America. So this, their, their sources of income are, are beyond uh, the borders. So the extent that there's any property in Canada, 
that would be seized if, if a group is, or individual is subject to sanctions. We know with Russia, the oligarchs have property all over the world, so that's important as well. Um, so it really does depend on whether or not uh, members of the terrorist group or the individuals themselves have property uh, in Canada, whether they have kids that go to university in Canada, you know, what their mm-hmm. ties are to the country. And we know, unfortunately, that those ties do exist. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, where are we in terms of making this a reality? Like you say, Melissa Lansman has, has taken up the charge here, and the, and the bill does exist. Um, where are we in terms of making this a reality, and, and how likely do you think it is? So the bill is in second reading. Um, it's, I, I believe it was just a couple weeks ago that um, MP Lansman uh, gave that speech in the House of Commons. I think the next step is committee as to how likely it is. Um, I have some indications, but I, I can't really say on the radio, but I I think it's um, it's definitely not a zero percent chance. So we're hoping that this bill becomes a reality with all the right support. Well, in reality, Sarah, this, this really doesn't need to be a partisan issue, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about Canada against the world kind of a thing. It should be all parties on board, you would think. It should be, and you know, maybe it will be. It's it's a little too soon to say. I mean, certainly the liberal the liberal party, um, you know, it was the liberal government that put forward this Canada led declaration on arbitrary detention and state-to-state relations and led the world and had, you know, many countries sign this uh, declaration against taking a stand against uh, arbitrary detention. So this this should be a nonpartisan issue. I completely agree. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. It's an interesting conversation. We appreciate you being here.